In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togedan.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here to speak with you today as I do each and every week about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, the achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on today's guest, Greg Luganis, I want to open up the phone lines for call-ins at 877-864-4869. Again, 877-864-4869. We want to hear from you, so call in, and let's get on to the show, because today's guest is exciting for many reasons, because he is truly engaged in the world. As an Olympic medal winner, five-time world champion, competitive diving legend, Greg Luganis has long been celebrated for his spirit of sportsmanship and community service. Greg serves as an advocate for many organizations, including youth clubs, drug and alcohol rehabilitation groups, and organizations for the dyslexic. Since shedding light on his struggle with HIV in his best-selling autobiography, Breaking the Surface, Greg's inspirational message has reached a whole new audience. Welcome, Greg. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am great. Happy to have you on the show and happy to share some of the exciting things that you are doing. You don't stop. <laughs> you really don't stop. No, I don't. I don't. It's, it, it's really exciting. Now, did you get your yoga practice in this morning? I didn't. I did not practice yoga, but I took oh. a, about an hour and a half walk around East Hampton Village. I'm, I'm going to give a shout out because I'm staying at Blake's B&B in East Hampton, New York. My friend Jeannie Blake is the proprietress. So there was no yoga. How about you? I did my, I, I did my yoga this morning and ready to start my day and, and work with uh, our young Olympic hopefuls. Let's talk about this because this is an exciting 
exciting event, or, well, first of all, the Olympics are a hugely exciting event, but the initiatives that you are taking to work with our hopefuls and, you know, pay it forward, pay the, the, the uh, spirit of your training forward and your knowledge is tremendous. So talk about what you're doing. How are you helping these young men and women get ready? Well, um, I was I was hired on by USA Diving to uh, as athlete mentor for USA Diving last year, uh, and so last year I went to the Centers of Excellence and worked with some of these kids and taught them uh, some ba- you know some basic tools for success: um, relaxation, visualization, approach to competition, um, how to kind of tweak your thinking in in stressful situations, um, learning re- release valves. Like for me. When I was in a high-pressure situation, uh, my release valve was, no matter what happens, my mother's still going to love me. And it was like something that I could rely on and then something that I, I held dear in my, in, in my heart. And um, I, I knew that to be the case. So, you know, it's just getting them to understand that, you know, because, like, when you go into the, the, the natatorium, at an Olympic Games, and you've been training there all week, and the seats are empty. You know, you're the only ones there, you and your coaches. And then all of a sudden, you, you show up to the competition, and every seat is filled. There's cameras everywhere. And, the you know, the, the, the energy there is palatable. You know, it's like you walk into that, and you can feel that, that energy. And... What I talked to the kids last night about is that it's, it's energy and it's, and how you translate that energy. If you think about it, every single person in that stadium wants to see you succeed. But if you see that energy as pressure, then the, the chances of imploding is, is, is far greater. You know, because inspiration comes from without yourself. You know, that is, that's, that's something that's kind of outside yourself that you bring into yourself to to get you to uh, to perform to, and to be more than you ever dreamed you could be. So it's all an interpretation in in how you perceive that that energy going into those types of situations. Well, what I love about what you just shared is inspiration being something that is outside of yourself, that in the mentoring process, usually we look to our mentors to help us find the best within ourselves, which is very much part of the mentoring process. But this notion of transforming that external energy, transforming you know, the people who are sitting in the natatorium or sitting in the boardroom or sitting on the soccer field or wherever we happen to be in life, to reframe them as actually rooting for us as opposed to mm-hmm. against us is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was um, like, uh, you know, going back to the 1988 Olympic Games, um, uh, the, the last, my last event was men's 10-meter platform, and going into the last dive, Shun Ni, a uh, young boy, 14 years old, I was 28 at the time, um, from China, um, he he nails his last dive, and the crowd just erupted, and, you know, it was thunderous applause. You could feel the vibration. And um, the one thing, because we have a tendency of taking things so personally, uh, I had to remind myself that they were cheering for him and not against me. And so in doing that, you know, it kind of put things in perspective. And then, and then of course, I said, no matter what happens, my mother's still going to love me 
to myself. And I had this visual image of my mother sitting at home watching the Olympics on TV because she wasn't in Seoul, Korea. Um, and I do this bomb of a dive where the splash goes up to the 10-meter platform when we're not supposed to make a splash. And then my mother bouncing up and down on the couch, clapping, saying, oh, wasn't that a pretty splash? You know, and so it just made me laugh. I mean, it just made me chuckle inside. And, um, and humor also, you know, is, is, is a great, great, great medicine, you know, to, uh, to balance things out. You know, to not take yourself so seriously, to, you know, to allow yourself to do what you were trained to do. Which is be a peak performer. I mean, that, and, and we all mm-hmm. are that peak performer in our lives. And what I love about some of the work that you're doing now, well, I love all the work that you're doing, but in particular about, you know, helping others be the best that they can be. And um, we're going to be going yeah. to a break in a, in a few minutes. And when we come back, I'd love to talk more about the training facility that you are putting together, that you are designing. But this is a really important concept of how we tend to look at peak athletes or as specimens and that something is something that is not within our reach and not all of us can be a Greg Luganus not all of us can be the top um, sportsman however these skills that you have learned can be applied Mm -hmm. to everyday life and that is very much what you're involved with now most definitely most definitely I mean everybody can can find the champion within themselves Mm, how beautifully put um, well, you know what? We actually have a little bit of time, so maybe we should start talking uh-huh. about the facility that you're designing for kids to teens, um, how they find their purpose, which you very much uh, self-describe what you did by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, that, that, is, that is a long-term goal. Um, so where I'm going to start is uh, I'm working on my book, um, which is kind of an explanation of that journey that I had. I started dancing when I was a year and a half, performing on stage when I was three. Um, I was taught visualization when I was three. And so um, that was, you know, that was the beginning of, um, of my career. I, had, I, 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 had a par- I got a partner when I was three years old, and we com- competed in, in all kinds of talent contests all over San Diego area. And um, so we were constantly performing. The acrobatics and dance evolved into gymnastics, and then gymnastics evolved into diving when I had a pool built in our, in our backyard. And so that was kind of the transition for me and, uh, and that journey. And uh, what I'd like ideally for the training center is to, to approach that. Um, and actually, I mean, I've talked to Kathy Rigby. Um, she's, she's kind of on the same page with me, and she, uh, she has uh, a, a program in La Barada that um, you know is, is very much doing that type of thing because uh, I think our, our our stories are very similar. Our journeys have been very similar as far as performing. You know, I think that we both viewed ourselves as performers, not competitors. Mm. You know, and that reframe may account for the success as well, that, it, that while the competitive part is very much in the equation, the fact that you were getting out there and performing, doing what you loved is, 
in part what made you so successful. We are going to go to a break in about a minute and a half, but I want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about what you are doing, um, the book that you have already written, the book that you are working on, the existing bestseller is Breaking the Surface, the new book you'll tell us about when we come back. But you may find Greg and his work at gregluganis.com, and we'll continue our conversation about your vision for a holistic, integrated training facility for Olympic athletes. That's what I hear, and, and, and may, perhaps many other athletes, but that's what I hear you saying where your heart lies. Yes, definitely. I mean, definitely with the youth and, and the future of our youth. It, well, and, and that is what it's all about, is the future of our youth and to cultivate mm-hmm. an integrated whole person who not only performs well, but can give back well and pay it forward well and understand the role in leadership for the future. And that is, mm-hmm. is of huge importance to what we are doing with all of our work. You know, all this service-minded work is headed in the same direction. We are going to go to a mm-hmm. break. You can find out more, like I said before, about Greg Luganis and his work at gregluganis.com. Here come the tunes will be right back we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity we'll be right back to explain how on harvesting happiness with lisa cypress Kamen on toginet.com Someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning, amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day? Or are you someone like me, who needs regular infusions of inspiration? I'm Meg Pierre, a photographer, travel writer, and creator of the website www.viewfromthepier.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new, beautiful image from my travels around the world captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. Viewfromthepeer.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels who offer their personal stories and wisdom, along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepeer.com viewfromthepeer.com Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org That's HH, the number 4, and heroes.org Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, 
Back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here today with Greg Luganis. And in addition to being a world-class Olympiad, Greg has also worn many other hats, including actor, dancer, dog trainer, speaker, AIDS activist, equality and diversity activist. And I want to give a plug to your wish list of being on Dancing with the Stars, Greg, because we're ah, manifesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Oh, I want to do that show. I actually, you know what? I, I want to do that show in honor of my mom because, I mean, I so, she, I mean, she was taking me to all my dance lessons, my recitals and, and, and all, and when, you know, we had props and everything, she was on stage, you know, setting things up, and, you know, and she really taught me unconditional love. It wasn't about the competition. She just, she always told me, go out there and have fun, you know, and that's what it was all about, and performing. And she's uh, she she was my anchor. She was she was my rock. And I think that's the point of our discussion in mentoring and having someone in our lives or multiple people. And oftentimes it doesn't come from just one place who believe mm-hmm. in us no matter what, who love us unconditionally, as you say. And mm-hmm. your mom, Frances, she was like she was the bomb. The fact that she was teaching you visualization when you were three years old um, shows that she had an awareness of the importance mm-hmm. of being fully integrated in, in all that you were doing. Yeah, well, she she wasn't exactly the one who taught me visualization. I, I think it was uh, my my instructor, and I don't think it was so much that she taught me visualization. I think she was, I was three years old. I was getting preparing for my first performance on stage, and then I had my costume, which was had a top top hat and cane, so I had new choreography, and I was having trouble with it. And I think the instructor got so frustrated with me at three years old and said, "Fine, do your do do your uh, do your routine and play." my music and left the room so that's how i interpreted it is i visualized so yeah. that was the, the visualization there and also you talk about people um you know because it, it wasn't just my mom i mean my coach ron o'brien um i the last 10 years of my diving career was with ron o'brien and he was everything to me i mean i could not have gotten through the 1988 olympic games without him i mean he was just everything for me. I mean, I was, uh, I knew in 1988, I was diagnosed HIV positive six months prior to the Olympic Games. And then I was working with Dr. Fauci, you know, and my doctor, uh, where I was training, who was my cousin, and they wanted to treat me very aggressively. So they put me on AZT right away. And so I was on AZT. I mean, my T cell count was like 215. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a frightening time for me because we thought of HIV as a death sentence. But we also knew because I tried to get, uh, Ryan White, who was my buddy, uh, the young boy who contracted HIV through his clotting factor. He was a hemophiliac. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I gave him so many of my medals, you know, national, you know, national championship gold medals and Pan American gold medals and all that. And I wanted to share my Olympic experience with him. So we tried to get him into the country to share my Olympic experience in Seoul with him, but they would not allow him into the country because of his HIV status. So at that time, I knew had anybody known about my HIV status, I wouldn't have been able to uh, to uh, go to that Olympic Games and compete. 
And so what happened was we were concerned about all the medications, the AZT and all this, all the stuff that I was taking prophylactically for my HIV, um, to keep me healthy. Um, my, my coach, Ron O'Brien, smuggled those drugs into the country because if he got caught and was sent home, then um, I could still go there and compete. So, I mean, he so had my back. I mean, he was, you know, the love and respect that we have for each other, um, you know, is tremendous. Well, that's an, that's an incredible story. And in mm-hmm. terms of HIV, like you said, in 1988, it was really a very serious diagnosis because there, was, there, was, there were no long-term statistics and it happened right. how things have changed, you know? And, yeah, and, and, and it was so funny because like when I um, started uh, breaking the surface with Eric Marcus, my co-author, um, and I told him, you know, about my HIV status, and, you know, it's like, we cried, after, you know, and then, um, and then afterwards, you know, he said, well, um, how were they, were you on any type of treatment? And I said, yeah, they wanted to treat me very aggressively, and they put me on AZT right away, and he started sobbing. I mean, he was literally sobbing. Mm-hmm. And with secrets, you know, you don't have people to talk to so and share things with. And so once he settled down, I said, why did you react that way? And he said, Greg, you don't understand that he had friends that were on AZT and they didn't tolerate it well, tolerate it well if they tolerated it at all. And he said, you know what, you won two Olympic gold medals on AZT. And... And I was like, oh, so it's not a performance enhancing drug, right? And, and so, you know, it was, it, you know, it was just, it, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, I, I had, I, I knew I was supposed to take this medication. I didn't know how toxic it actually was. And um, I just knew I was supposed to take it. And it also altered the course of your life, in, uh, clearly from a physical perspective, but from um, what you do in the world and how you advocate for HIV patients, how you actually, through mm-hmm. your work with pets and dogs and the whole mm-hmm. healing, you've interwoven all of that together, and it really is quite special. And I'd love for you to share with us what you're doing with your uh, programming in North Carolina and your foundation. Um, well, you know, we started that uh, we, we 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 couldn't um, we couldn't get the support, but I, I haven't given up on on the idea. Um, it's uh, you know what I'd like to do, uh, and, and I'll probably start closer to home, maybe San Diego or something um, that was recommended to me. Um, but to care for the people living with HIV/AIDS and care for their pets, because a lot of HIV. Uh, survivors are having to make the difficult decision whether they're going to buy their pet's food and, and pay for their medical care or buy their HIV meds. And they're opting to take care of their pets. So this way, uh, this will alleviate that, uh, that burden so they don't have to make that, that decision, that choice. Um, because with pets, I mean, that's quality of life, you know, and that, that's what it's all about. It's about the quality of life. Um, 
and and pets are you know a, a big part of it for me especially um you know my second book was uh, for the life of your dog and it goes through the entire life cycle of the dog and i've had many dogs in my life and uh, I, i've actually trained many dogs i competed on a national level um very high national level of dog agi- for dog agility and it had uh, a bit of success there, and uh, trained a lot of dogs. And, and some of the dogs that I, that came in that I thought were going to be my forever dogs uh, turned out to be therapy dogs. That's where they, that's where they thrive. That's where they shined. And so, in in learning that, and since I don't do that work, um, I did rehome them so that they could be all they can be, what they were put here on this earth to be, and that was therapy dogs. And so, um, yeah, I cried when they left, but, yeah. you know, I, but I knew that they were doing what they were meant to do. And, and, and that's what it's all about, you know, finding that thing that you're really, truly meant to do. And so just to clarify, the Greg Luganis Positively Pet Fund is it's a nonprofit, but it, it was originally in North Carolina, and now you're going to bring it home to California. That's uh, that's the goal. Um, it, it, it was difficult because initially, when we first started the Greg Luganus Positively Pet Fund in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had support in in North Carolina, and then uh, it took us two years to get our 501c3. And I wanted to do everything like straight up above board and and all that and and you know follow uh you know the entire process and and do it right and so it took us two years to get our 501c3 and by that time life changed for uh a lot of our board members and so we didn't have the support there so um all the all the funds and and monies that were raised um, which we didn't take in a whole lot until we got our 501c3 number. Right. But we, we donated that money into the community in Charlotte to uh, pet charities um, in Charlotte. Um, but, you know, we, we did have to close shop. Uh, but I, I haven't given up on the idea. I learned a lot. I'll tell you what, I mean, I've learned so much about uh, the nonprofit world and um, the type of support that you need going into it. So I think, um, and, and, and I need to be close to it, you know, because I want to make sure that it's, it's responsible. You know, because I want it, uh, if my name's on it, then, you know, then it's a reflection of me and I, I want it to be, you know, a, a positive thing. The majority of the money going to, uh, to what it's, it's meant to go to. Well, it's a fantastic cause, and I hope that you find a home for it in Southern California or San Diego and mm-hmm. a good partner to uh, carry on the work because it is needed, and these pets mm-hmm. offer so much um, soothing support when people are going through hard times that it would be wonderful to offer the financial support to f- care and feed for them and mm-hmm. place these dogs with men and women who really could benefit from their presence mm-hmm. in their lives. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to carry on this conversation because there is so much to talk about. I want to talk about uh, some of these events that you're doing in addition to the Olympics. You are going to be a judge in the Red Bull cliff diving competition. And personally, I would like to know more about that because... uh, Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just would. Yeah. I just would. Um, what, we're going to go to a break to learn more about Greg Luganis and his amazing work within the communities and the amazing man that he is. Go to gregluganis.com to learn more about the work that we are doing with Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, the 501c3 that I run, supporting men and women uh, returning military personnel who are challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Please visit HH, the number four, heroes.org to learn more about what we do over here in general at Harvesting Happiness. Visit www.harvestinghappiness.com. We will be launching Shop Happy on our website, I believe, if everything goes according to plan this week. Here come the tunes. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win enter our weekly contests at harvesting happiness on facebook where we give away our guests books music film and products each week in addition we also do great harvesting happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with lisa cypress cayman lisa's books happiness first aid kits h factor where is your heart documentary film happiness is an inside job products including the sterling silver infinity bracelet that benefit harvesting happiness for heroes a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues join us at harvesting happiness on facebook nothing gives happiness like a free gift Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. We are here having a fantastic discussion with Greg Luganis, who has worn many, many hats uh, above and beyond Olympiad and diver, including activist, speaker, dog trainer, actor, dancer, 
amazing person, um, Yogi, and you have an interesting event coming up that I am curious about, and that is the Red Bull Cliff Diving Championships. Where, what, when, and how? <laughs> well, I, it was it was interesting. Um, I, I was taken on last year um, for the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series, and I was given three assignments last year. I went to Athens, Boston, and uh, the finals were in Yalta. Um, and this year they gave me four assignments, and this year I go to Portugal, uh, Wales, Boston, and Oman is the finals. So I'm really excited about that. I don't blame you. And oh, Oman, you know, conjures up such exotic imagery to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where it's going to be, you know, but I mean, I, I've never been that to that part of the world. So I'm hoping that, you know, on my uh, on my travel out there, I, I might be able to stop it and stop by Tel Aviv and do some uh, sightseeing there. Just, you know, experience that part of the world because it's uh, I've, I've never been to that that part of the world. Oh, well, cool. We wish you the best with this. And, when, and what are the times of the year that this is all happening? Is this summer work or... Yeah, it's it's the summer. Um, Portugal. Oh gosh, I have this crazy uh, leg of of a trip. Um, I, I uh, uh, July twelfth, I go to Maryland, uh, and that'll be the last training for the U.S. Olympic diving team before they head to London. So that'll be the send off to the London Olympics, and then I'm heading to uh, New York and do. Uh, um, hoping to do a, a, an anti-bullying uh, presentation there. And then from there I go to Portugal, judge uh, the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series in Portugal, then go to Hong Kong to open up a, a diving exhi- exhibition in Hong Kong, then to London and be there through the Olympic Games and um, hopefully being helped to our coaches and athletes there. And then, and then home. Uh, and then after that, then I go to Wales, then I go to Boston, and then I go to Oman. What an incredible schedule, and what a testimonial to doing the work that you love. And I think that is what inspires me most about you and the work that you do, is that, you know, while we have a career when we're young that involves peak athleticism, you're still a peak athlete, but you've taken all of that passion and you have channeled it into a doing doing good with it helping others and really spreading the message about this concept of turning the screw maybe a quarter of an inch you mm-hmm. and I've had that conversation as it yeah. motivates and inspires us to even greater excellence well that's what my mom taught me at such an early age she you know what she taught me was you know make everywhere you go better because you were there and I mean, you know, the littlest things, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And, and the less you even think about it, you know, picking up trash, you know, um, I'm one of those weird guys that, you know, goes into a public bath, bathroom, washes my hands and takes the extra paper towels and wipes down the, the counter. So it's, it's nicer for the next person who comes in, you know, and it's just those little things, um, smiling at somebody, wishing, you know, saying hi to somebody, just being, you know, kind, you know, just random acts of kindness. Um, and that's what I, yeah, actually, that's what I try and challenge, uh, challenge my divers to do uh, that I work with is, you know, do something, but you can't tell anybody that you did that. 
like you know putting like putting uh money in a meter that uh you know that's run out and 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 not tell them not tell anybody you know that yes. that is just something to practice and the more you practice it the the more it becomes a part of you you know and it and it's there's there isn't any thought or hesitation it's a different kind of philanthropy it's philanthropy of the heart so it's not mm-hmm. about the dollars and cents. It's really about doing something that makes a, a small difference on the surface but can touch somebody in a, a very uh, special way, and it is anonymous. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because, like, sometimes, you know, I've gone through, like, um, toll booths. You know, you go, you're driving along and you go through yep. a toll booth. And then I'll just say... Uh, you know, I'll pay for the car that's coming out behind me, you know, and say, okay, this is for the car following following me. And they'll never know it, you know, and not be charged and say, it, it doesn't matter, you know, that, you know, but it just makes their day, you know, and being polite on the road. It's so funny because, like, you know, in California, all the driving that we do, and sometimes we get so crazy with our own schedules and so preoccupied with ourselves and um, that, you know, sometimes, you know, if somebody's trying to merge over and you slow down and you're polite, then, oh, my God, I mean, it really transfers, you know, people around you start being more polite and and more conscientious and you know they because they see something like that and go you know wow okay well if they can they can be polite and and kind then you know it it just offers that kindness and it's and that kindness is is really uh infectious it is and it is about cultivating joy it is these little things in life that cultivate more happiness in the world make the world a more pleasant place in which to be and it doesn't um, mitigate that bad things happen i mean bad things do right. happen they will always yeah. happen it just mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more comfortable for us all to live in the same space when all of it is going on and you know a few mm-hmm. years ago oh Probably, I don't even know if I was uh, working in positive psychology, if I, had go- if I had gone back to graduate school, but I had the experience that you describe with the uh, toll booth. I was going to a concert at Pepperdine University, and the guy in front of me paid for my parking ticket. Well, when I pulled up, I was flabbergasted. I wanted to immediately pay my money and go find the guy to thank him, but I also was compelled to pay for the guy behind me and i'm sure the guy behind me was compelled to pay for the person behind him or her and i did track the guy down in the lot and i was like i just want to thank you because you made my day yeah yeah simple as that and 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 you know what i i'm sure it was appreciated but but not necessary you know because when people do that and get in the habit of it it's you don't need the recognition yeah you know it's it's just the act itself that you get pleasure from. Yes, because you're doing it to boost your own level of happiness or joy or contentment, knowing that it's doing something good for someone else. Yeah, you can't give to another without giving to yourself. It's so true. It's so true. Let's talk about, speaking of giving, um, your Camp Satori project, which is uh, mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued by in, in its description. So tell us a little bit about what's going on over there. Well, it's it's so funny because my coach, Ron O'Brien, he said, um, if you can teach a diver <clears throat> to breathe through their dive, um, then we'll be a step ahead of the Chinese. Because, you know, the state of diving globally is the entire world is chasing China right now. And so I got to thinking, okay, how do I do this? 
how do I teach a young diver to breathe through their dive? And so it was actually through the dog training um, that I came up with this idea and concept. And so what uh, it was clicker training. Um, opera conditioning. So what I would do is I'd do a presentation about uh, relaxation and visualization, and I'd be clicking. And the, the instructions were to the young divers that they have to exhale all the air out of their lungs when they hear the click. Mm. So then, And then they counted how many there were, and most everyone got the, the exact number. I had somebody on a counter. And so, um, and then that was rewarded. That behavior was rewarded. So then when we got to the pool the next day, then that was a conditioned response. So then I could click to where the breaths go. And so then they're utilizing their breath to support what they're trying to execute. And so that was a part of it. And I also added uh, yoga introducing them to yoga to match uh, breath with movement um, and also to practice non-judgment of yourself mm-hmm. and others. And, um, and also I introduced them to dance because that was a part of my background too and incorporating breath in the dance as well. So it was, uh, you know, it's it, it's not. It, it wasn't just about diving. It was it was about uh, performance and peak performance and awareness and the body awareness of your heart rate, breath rate, and body temperature, which are all key to creating a peak performance. This sounds amazing. And, it, and, and the byproduct is the benefit that it brings into these young men and women's personal lives, that it can't help but help them soar with how they mm-hmm. cope with their everyday lives. Right. You know, and, and we also have, uh, you know, the, the last day uh, usually uh, we have a gathering because we've had some time together. You know, it's usually a three-day camp, and um, we've had some, some time together, and then we start talking about addressing our fears. And it's really yeah, so empowering because, you know, I share my story, you know, which... Uh, to, to them, which gives them a safe place. Um, you know, I was raped at knife point. I was, you know, bullied as a child. You know, there's all of the events, and, and, and they're just events. They're not, um, they don't define me. And so I express all those things, and then it, it gives them a safe place to, uh, you know, to share their experiences. I mean, and I had one young uh 16-year-old boy who said, well, you know, I'm a little effeminate, and the kids call me faggot, and, you know, it used to really hurt me, but I I accept who I am. Um, And, I mean, that was just so incredibly brave in a group of 60 strangers, you know, to share a story like that. And, um, you know, I thanked him afterwards, because it was just incredible incredible to find that authenticity you know to live your truth indeed we are going to go to a break and when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with greg ladinas about 
authenticity and the courage to show up for life joyfully in spite of adversity. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. To learn more about Greg Luganis and his amazing work, you may visit him at gregluganis.com. And to find out more about what we do over here in the happiness business, you can go to harvestinghappiness.com. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. And to those of you who are just joining us now, I'm here today with Olympic medal winner, five-time world champion, competitive diving legend, and many, many, many other facets of Greg Luganis. And before the break, we were talking about the triumph over adversity and the situations that we find ourselves in the world that are less than perfect, where there is trauma, where there is challenge, and how that need not define who we are, but can contribute to who we choose to become. Most definitely. I mean, that was one thing that I shared in my book that, um, you know, because um, in the first year of a relationship that I was in, um, I was raped at knife point. um, And, you know, it was just an event. Um, and then I also had to come to terms with owning it. You know, what, what I, uh, you know, I allowed it. I stayed in that relationship for, se- for seven years. I mean, after that happened. And so, um, you know, I understand an abusive relationship. And, and it's, it's not about, um, 
the the violence. It's not about the act. It's what it what it's about is it, it's about control. And so once I learned and and grew with that, um, it's it's really been a blessing for me because then I can share my experience with that and and have that uh, you know open doors for other people to give them permission to talk about these things because you know as 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 a gay man, as a man, period. Um, you know, I, you know, in my book, I, I, I shared what I perceived as my weaknesses, and what I came to learn to find out through my book tour and, and speaking is that by sharing my weaknesses, my perceived weaknesses, I was actually sharing my strengths. And this is the interesting, um, these, I call it the inversion theory of joy, you know, that it comes from mm-hmm. within. It comes from those discoveries that we make about ourselves that are not always what we believe to be the, the sweet spots. And, um, mm-hmm. it, you can't, you can't buy the gifts that come from adversity. I tell that to people that I work with, to the men and women, especially the military personnel. You can't buy mm-hmm. it. It's, it's something that you have to choose to reframe and process mm-hmm. and come out the other side being a better person for it, not in spite right. of it, but for it. Right, exactly, exactly, because and, you have so much more to offer because, the, you, know, uh, you know, just, you know, with experiences like that, I mean, and, and you learn and grow from them and you have those as, as experiences you don't have to live there you know you don't right. have to live in it it's just it's an experience it's an event it happened you learn from it and grow from that indeed uh let, let's talk a little bit about the book that you are working on now which strikes me as so much of an inspirational uh, manual. I mean, I don't know if that's what your goal mm-hmm. is with it, but that's really what I hear from what you've shared. Yeah, I mean, I, it's. Um, it, I'm dyslexic, so I had to learn creative ways of learning. It's, and dyslexia is a learning difference. We learn differently than other people. It's not that it's not a disability. It just we learn differently, and and some of the things that I learned in the process, um, you know, through my diving, gymnastics, perf- dance performances, my one man show, um, you know, I learned the different ways that I learned and creatively, and it's a lot of that right brain, left brain. You know, I'm very right brain dominant, so, um, you know, so a lot of my imaginations are in color. You know, there's color related to it. There's, you know, but, but not negating anything, you know, not judging anything, just accepting it as it is. And, um, and also, I mean, in the process, I've learned why it works. You know, why a lot of the things work, because I've talked to uh, psychologists who've worked with uh, um, performers. And, um, you know, when you, uh, at one point I did a one-man show in New York, I was played 14 different characters, and I went up in the second scene, and I turned to the audience and I said, I'm lost. And I started walking around the stage, and I'm I'm thinking, okay, the script's backstage. Um, I can't call line because the stage manager is working lights because it was a uh, 90-seat house, small production, and uh, one-man show. And so then I 
and in my imaginary work, each each character had a different color, and so I thought about the color, and the color brought me back into the performance, and so I was able to get through the performance. And um, when I shared that story with a psychologist friend of mine, he said, you know what, you probably weren't down as long as you think you were. Because when you're thinking, okay, where's my script, logic, you know, that's left brain. Okay, uh, stage managers, working lights, I can't call light, logic. When I thought color, that's right brain. That's the Mm. creative side. That's the performance side of your brain, which brought me back into the performance. And so now I understand why that worked. And, and so instead of, you know, because I just thought it was me being weird, you know, when th- these characters had different colors, I just thought it was weird. And I don't know if it was because of the cadence, the uh, emotional state, or, or what the connection to the color was. Um, but it was something that I didn't negate and something I accepted into my, my imaginary work and, and something that I was able to utilize and have work for me. This is interesting because I, I ask myself as you're speaking, I wonder how intuition plays into it as, you know, as well as mm-hmm. that you, you, you were lost, you were off point, you went to the color and you, di- you dialed in to a quieter place mm-hmm. within yourself, which taps into mm-hmm. that intuition that when we listen to it always is a fabulous guidepost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, 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 that, and that is there. I mean, just following... Following, following your heart, following your sense, but, you know, what, what feels right. Yes, and this is a huge uh, tool for young, women, young men and women as they cultivate their sports or, or their interests to really learn mm-hmm. to tap into that intuition or anybody of any age. And it's something that the older we get, if we're not used to tapping into it, um, is a little bit difficult, but it, it forces us to be quiet in order to access mm-hmm. it. Right, and and the thing is, I mean, I I find I find it to be so much fun. I mean, in my yoga practice, and I meditate, and it's like, you know, you know, it. I mean, it's so much fun to be there and be present, and then realize, oh, okay, that's the end. That's what I was looking for, you know, and just um, and and accepting, you know, where you're at. You know, because sometimes, you know, we do things and we're like, why did I do that? You know, that was like silly. You know, and instead of judging it, just saying, okay, that's, that's what the experience was and this is what I got from it and, and this is what I learned from it. You know, because there's no failures. It's just learning. Ah, that is, that is the, the kernel of wisdom or the pearl of wisdom right there, that there is no failure that it is mm-hmm. uh, 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 an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to change, and to make a different decision the next time, or the same one if it worked for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes, I mean, we get stuck in patterns and understanding those patterns, and, and it's like, oh, there I go again. You know, and, and you know, I've gotten to the point, you know, sometimes when I make a similar mistake, you know, or, you know, uh, um, Judgment that could have been better been better thought out. You know, I, I laugh at myself. It's like, oh, you know, that's a pattern. You know, and then just recognizing it. If you can recognize it, then you can do something about it. You know, that's so that's the whole thing. 
Well, the the, um, the judgment and the ability to have compassionate forgiveness of oneself usually uh-huh. is the first great starting place. But then moving that outwards to people who we uh, would normally judge as having transgressed or done something up to offend uh-huh. us. When in reality, we're all just people living our lives. And most of us don't really intend to hurt another. It does happen in the course of uh-huh. life. And yeah. by not personalizing it is liberating, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and, and truly, I mean, the first person that you have to forgive usually is yourself. Usually, and then, yep. Yeah, and so then moving forward from there and, um, you know, and, and moving that outwards and, and realizing, you know, growing up, my, my dad was pretty hard on me, you know, and, um, you know, but you know what? He was doing the best he could with what he had. He yeah. truly, and, and, and I, and I know that he loved me. You know, some of the things that he did wasn't real great, but, um, and not very supportive, but he was doing the best he could for what he had, the tools that he had. At that time, which is all At any of time. us can do. Let's move yeah. on. We're, we're actually coming to the end of the show, which is just flown by. I want to talk a little bit about TEDx Malibu. Um, the 2012 yeah. theme is Living Out Loud, and I am delighted that Greg Luganis is going to be a part of our program this year. It's on December 2nd in Malibu, California, and I was writing a little copy for Living Out Loud and what it what it means to be a, a, an LOLer, a, a loller, <laughs> because in, in young people speak, uh, LOL is laughing out loud or lots uh-huh. of love. And living out loud to me is somebody who dares to live audaciously and bodaciously and be authentic out in the world and want to share their gifts. And that's who you are to me, Greg. So I'm delighted that you're going to be a part of our program. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, you know, and, and that's the whole thing, you know, as far as, you know, because we're so often, I mean, we're stifled because we're afraid of judgment. And the thing is, I mean, everybody is, you know, is afraid of being judged. And, you know, and the thing is, if, you know, if you put it out there, you know, you'll find out, oh, my God, I feel that way, too. You know, and sometimes and, and, and you'll realize, you know what, you're not alone, you know, that you have the support. You know, all you have to do is, is put a bit of yourself out there and be authentic. And, and people, honesty begets honesty. You know, and, and, and people truly, truly respond to that, you know, especially young people. And that's what we love to do is go out and mm-hmm. share what, what we know uh, with, with, with young people and the people around us. And I want to thank you, Greg Luganis, for being with us. You can learn more about Greg, his projects, his initiatives, his books at gregluganis.com. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought sold or traded happiness will never invite you to the party happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion purpose place and meaning thanks for joining us on harvesting happiness talk radio this is lisa cypress cayman and greg luganis wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time remember happiness is an inside job Happiness is your inside job. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for being with me. My pleasure. It was see great talking with you. Yes, okay, see, see you soon. Thanks. 
Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Tokyo. For more